Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. So we're uh, on this series, The Windows Again, we've been looking at for uh, a number of weeks, and we're working our way through them, and depending on the theme, and we're doing Paul, so he's the second window in there, you can see him. Uh, these windows, by the way, uh, were put together and honored in Good Friday, 1971, uh, at a service, and they all cost $26,000, if you remember hearing about that. And, we're getting the stink eye. Okay. And um, so Paul is there, and you can see Paul. Uh, Paul was, is considered like the first evangelist, the first earliest writer. So the Gospels were written later, so he's the, you know, the closest to Jesus 20 years after. Uh, he's got a walking stick because he walked about 10,000 miles, they say, various places by foot or by boat. Um, you'll see, also see there's snakes on there, or serpents, and in scripture, they're dual. Sometimes they mean rebirth and transformation and beginning, and in some cases they mean evil and darkness and uh, something to be wary of. And so one of the things that's important to remember just in our mind is he never physically met Jesus. He did have a, an experience called the Road to Damascus. If you ever see that in public, uh, in the media, you'll, know, you'll, you'll need to know that. The Road to Damascus is when he had this radical conversion where he met the risen Christ, and he's very clear it's Christ. So all the way through his writings and his letters that he wrote to communities and individuals, he's talking about Christ, not so much Jesus, and Christ wasn't Jesus' last name, but the Christ, the anointed one, uh, the Messiah. And so... Uh, he endured a lot of trouble. It wouldn't be like, um, you know, if you go downtown and you see the guy that's selling hot dogs in front of City Hall doing that kind of street evangelism. Uh, he's being a Paul, if you will. But in those days, um, it was often violent uh, that you would, he would end up being persecuted as a Jew. He remained a Jew, talking about the Christ. Some of the letters he wrote and some of them were forged by other people. And if we went into biblical scholarship, we could say you could see this isn't his, but they, somebody stole his name. One of the things I told Andrew this morning is he married, I didn't know this, Priscilla and Aquila. Look at that, the guy that married them is in the same window. That's kind of cool. He uh, died in prison probably after the 20 years of wandering around evangelizing. And so he's in our window, and this church chose to say this is an important aspect of who this church is. And I think in lots of ways, this church has been very evangelical in different ways. So we're going to talk about that. So I forgot the first question I was supposed to ask you. But what, you what's evangelism to you? you? Me? Yeah. Okay, you can be evangelical about uh, tennis, about baking pies, about anything you're passionate about. It's sort of a zealous promotion of something or something that's so important to you. You can be zealous about the work of climate change. It's about speaking up and out uh, about what is important to you. Um, it's connected to the word gospel, which means good news. And so for the evangelical cause, it's, it's speaking about what's important to them. Uh, in this case, in this context, what faith is. So for me, you know, I chose this as, a, as an example. Uh, this, I usually wear this on the fourth Sunday of uh, Advent. I believe the gospel all comes down to these four letters. Throughout my ministry, I've always been, I've, because there's so much bad religion, it's just in my bones to want to speak about what good religion looks like. And so in forever, since 1988, that's been one of the things I've been trying to address is what does good religion look like, uh, whether it's in a series, series uh, or in the street, because it's easy in church. I can talk about it. You're not going to run away, likely. Uh, but how do you do this when you're down at higher ground 
or when you're playing golf with somebody and they say, what do you do for a living? Sometimes I say, I'm in sales. <laughs> so, That's your some, airplane answer? Sometimes I say, I'm in real estate. Yeah. Uh, occasionally I'll say, I'm a minister, and I'll see what happens. Then they usually tell me why they don't go to church. But anyway, <laughs> uh, not that I asked. But it's really about, uh, uh, for me, evangelism is at the core of me, trying to speak about what I think is the important essence of us being our truest selves. And there's so many barriers and so much garbage that's laid on. How do I step in in a way that's open? How about you? Yeah, I, so I didn't grow up with evangelism being a core part of my faith identity. I knew the word evangelism only as it related to the denomination. Um, and I had wonderful experiences in the evangelical church when I was growing up, but I always felt like that was a part of faith that other people did and I didn't do. And it wasn't until, uh, it wasn't until probably I came back to church in my early 20s, I'd left in my late teens, um, that I realized that I had been evangelizing all along. I had uh, someone who meant a lot to me define evangelism once as um, uh, living your life in a way that is so interesting, people can't help but ask you what you're doing differently. And when they ask you, you got to tell them. And I thought that, that that just tied so many things together. And so evangelism for me became, it really became a spiritual practice of living testimony. Like, what would my life look like if my entire life, everything in it, the words that I say, the things I adorn my body with, the conversations that I have, the people I hung out with, what would my life, the things I posted on Instagram, uh, what would it look like if all of that was a living act of praise. And that, to me, became my practice of, of evangelism. It's everything. What does Parker Palmer say? Let your life speak. Yeah, so if you think of evangelism isn't just a cause, it's everything we do. It's not and what if, we say, it's what we are. Yeah, and if you step back, you're looking at how am I acting and living in a way that's not trying to be Ned Flanders, but mm -hmm. trying to be true to who you are. And so for me, um, it's about the truest, helping people discover their truest self. Uh, that's language that we're more familiar with now. We all have a false self and a true self. What if we lived from our truest self? Well, and that brings us to the passage that we heard today. I think that part of what we are evangelizing people into, because you can't just go out there and say things without having a reason on the other side, um, I think that there's a really beautiful invitation in our scriptures in the life of Jesus to to live a life that we actually don't always think we deserve or a life that we actually don't all feel like we're worthy of all of the time and that to me is this beautiful invitation into what it means to love and be loved and see and be seen and we do that by being our truest selves our individual selves all together i mean i think John, you and I were just at um, this clergy well-being retreat, and the statistics that we heard on loneliness were uh, clergy loneliness, but loneliness in the general population, 62%, and what was it? 80% of Gen Z would call themselves lonely or would identify that way on, in, a, in a test. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the church or faith, whether, whether you're a church person or not, is this invitation to come and be loved whether you're lonely, whether you feel like you belong, whether you feel you're different, whether you are different, um, and that that's the beauty of it, is that we all get to do this together. 
Yeah, it belongs a key word. That used to be you believe things, then you figured out how to behave, and then you belong. Now, first thing people showing up at church want, if they show, is to belong. Yeah. Because all of us are feeling a disconnection in the world. And I think the church can be one of the great places where you belong to a diverse group of people mm-hmm. at various ways and places along, along the way. Uh, I think that when I think about um, to what, it's not just the truest self. There's just so much people feel like they've got to be not themselves. Yeah. Or there's so much guilt and shame associated with religion or bad religion, as you see online. I think that um, I, was at a, I was at a lunch for, with a group called Imagine Calgary, and they're trying to think about the new ways to be, uh, the, new, the next new for Calgary, and they were sitting talking. Now, I was definitely the oldest one at the table, <laughs> and they were saying, um, you know, what we need is we got to get together and share food, tell our stories, and I'm like, sounds like church, <laughs> right? But there is this desire to be in, to share food, to share stories, and to discover our truest selves. So the First Corinthians passage that we that Anne read beautifully, you know, I love it. It's always at weddings. By the way, this is about God's love. Some mm-hmm. people sit at weddings and do a checklist. When it says love never ends, they go, that's not true. It's God's love never ends. And when they talk about knowing uh, in part, and then we're fully known, that's going to be at my funeral. I think I know in part now. I think in the great mystery of beyond, we fully know. It'll be awesome. I also see, we, we, we look in a mirror dimly now, and then we see more clearly, and that's the journey all along with dimly, clearly, dimly, clearly. And so I love that. So you can say to yourself, is it faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love? My mentor, would, Garth Munda, would say, got it wrong. Faith is the most, hope is the most important. Yeah. Is it faith, hope, or love? I don't know. But that passage is core, core to Paul. We know he said a lot of things people didn't like, but he was a non-dual thinker, and he always holds up the opposites for us to help us see both and, yeah. I think. It's funny you mentioned earlier the, um, the kind of, I don't want to say violent approach to evangelism, although that was sometimes the case. And in Paul's day, I remember my first experience with um, street evangelism outside of the container of a circumstance that I'd actually put myself in, and I was walking down the street, I was crossing a crosswalk at Burrard and, and Granville uh, in Vancouver, and a gentleman uh, walked past me and, and grabbed my arm and said, ma'am, have you met Jesus? And I, in that moment, it was my very first year of seminary, it might have even been my very first semester of seminary, and I was so proud because for the first time I felt like I had a worthy answer. I was like, yes! I'm going to seminary. And he looked at me. And by this point, we'd kind of like walked past each other. And he looked back at me and he said, just because you're going to seminary doesn't mean you're not going to hell. (laughs) And I was like, there was a part of me that said, touche. But there was also another part of me that said, there's a different way to deliver that, sir. (laughs) And so I think for me, the the point that that got across in, in that moment, although it took me a while to Uh, to identify it was really the accountability that I think each and every single one of us have. I, John's wearing his love sweater. Um, I sometimes, I don't always wear a collar, but I sometimes wear a collar. And that's one of the ways that I choose to evangelize in the world, first and foremost, because this holds me accountable to the stupid stuff that I'm prone to doing. Like, I do not always live out the stories of our scripture in the way that this says I should. And when I wear this, I'm inviting people to call me on that. And they will. Have you ever got a speeding ticket in one of these? (laughs) Yeah, they still give you the ticket. (laughs) They hold you accountable. And so I think for me, there's, there's there's that piece. There's the accountability piece. If I tell you 
that this is who I am. If I say to you, this is, I'm a person of faith, if I show you my cross tattoo, you all of a sudden, whether you know it or not, are making judgments and assumptions and holding me accountable to a way of life that I may or may not be feeling that day. And so there, that's a big piece. And then, I mean, there are so many ways that we evangelize. I don't know where we are in the scheme of questions. I just got excited. That's evangelism, <laughs> folks. <laughs> How do you evangelize? So I, uh, I enter in conversations. So that can happen uh, whether it's with someone uh, and as a person. Evangelism is showing up to the missing and murdered uh, women's vigil and not talking to anybody, but just being present. I show up uh, in letters I write to the editor, sometimes with the tag Hillhurst United Church and sometimes just with my own to speak out to issues in the world. Uh, I think that it's about uh, being willing to speak out by showing up either verbally uh, or uh, silently about saying this matters. And I think that's not just my call, by the way, that's mm -hmm. all of our call uh, to that. For me, it's the, what I said last year on spiritual and religious, I'm an and, it's gotta be both. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of spirituality not so good, lots of religion not so good. How can we have good, quote unquote, uh, work of good spirituality and good religion? So it's a both and for me. Yeah, and I like, um, you, you pointed out that this is, this is not just something that John and I are called to. This is, this is something that every one of us is called to. We um, looked at the Great Commission when John and I were, we were sitting in Naramata on my birthday planning a sermon. And we were talking through this idea of evangelism, what it meant to each of us, um, why we did it, and how we did it. And we both landed at this passage from Matthew's Gospel called the Great Commission. And we don't know if Jesus actually said it or not, but Jesus commissions the disciples to go and to baptize and teach and heal and do all of these beautiful things in the name of him in all of the nations and then promises that he'll be there until the end of the age with us and i kind of took that one phrase all of the nations and ran with it that for me epitomizes how we evangelize every single space is a space for living your faith out loud so i choose to put my profession and my church on my social media uh, my direct messages are open and people enter them all of the time asking me questions. That's a form of evangelism. It's choosing to um, model, even if we don't feel it, to model receiving grace in moments of being deeply humbled. Ooh, hey. Uh, it's, it's the hope in hopelessness and it's saying all of that out loud with, with our actions or with our words in all of the spaces. So not just the church, not just the protests, not just in the newspaper, not just on social media, but all of the places. So we go where, we go everywhere because this good news is needed everywhere. Yeah, and her, her word was tenacious in this passage. Mine was the last line of the gospel. Uh, Jesus says, lo, which I love that, lo, I'll be with you always to the close of the age. And I was telling Andrew that my ordination at a sweaty gym in 1988 at York University, I had asked different people to come and lay on hands. And, they, and you kneel and they lay hands. And I asked my dad, who was a church person, I wanted his hands on me. I wanted Murray, who was my supervisor, the most creative uh, minister I've ever met, singer, writer, artist, preacher. And I wanted my friend Clayton, who gave up on the church. I wanted all those hands on me. So I... I knelt, they put their hands on me, and then I rose up, and you rose up, and you're in a gym, and there was a big sign, and it said, 
uh, Adidas, we're with you all the way. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some great symmetry to that. Whether it's Jesus, we're with you all the way, or Adidas, that's the public and, and private, or the church in the world. But I believe that. That's my most favorite line, whether Jesus said it or not, he certainly embodied it yeah. in everything he did. Yeah. So, uh, lo, I'll be with you always to the close of the age. So, bottom line is, that, that's what we do as part of our work, but that's all of our work. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow, uh, you evangelize in your workplace, you evangelize on the phone, you evangelize when you leave here, and you're inviting people to grace and compassion and to their truest self. Um, and in doing so, uh, you are being an evangelical and sharing the good news, if you have any, and you believe in it with those you encounter. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's Walter Brueggemann um, who says, preach the gospel and only when necessary use words. So we're not saying you need to go and ask someone if they've met Jesus or if they've been to church. You can show them that you have, and that's evangelism. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.